Welcome to Becoming Iconic, a global multimedia and mentorship brand that will lift you into having the most exceptional lifestyle and business. I am your host, Jen Spiegel, and as a mom of four, a seven-figure high-performance mentor, editor of a magazine, and the host of this top podcast, I have a lot to share with you. This podcast has been created to talk about all of those things that will support you in both your life, business, as well as leadership. I believe in having a life and business that gives you ultimate fulfillment, and this gets to be your reality. That's why most conversations here will shift many of the paradigms that you've likely been participating in. Be ready to be stretched in both your thinking and in your doing. You will hear advice and wisdom from my 16 plus years of experience building businesses globally alongside of raising a family. And you'll also hear from many other industry moguls. Don't forget to follow on your favorite social media platform. It's simply Becoming Iconic. And while you're there, check out the most recent edition of the Becoming Iconic magazine. I just want you to know something. You're in the right place. And I want to thank you for being here. So there is such a special guest I'm sharing with you today, and this is a long-awaited conversation. Justin and I have been chatting back and forth for, I would say, well over a year now online, and I knew he was the person to spark the conversation around wealth, financial freedom, and how to really become the leader of your finances. Justin Buonamo is an incredible CEO of JFF who supports entrepreneurs in really becoming financially free, financially stable, owning their financial liberation, as well as literacy. And I am someone who actively seeks to constantly hone this skill for myself. And many of you listening in know my story and know that I was making multiple six figures, but still had no money in the bank and was praying that the debit card would work while paying for groceries. It's probably still a very tender conversation for me to have because there's a lot of shame that was attached in that. How can somebody be making multiple five figures a month and still not have money? But that's another conversation for another day. But as I sort of turn over that that leaf and, and really become someone who wants to be an example of what wealthy entrepreneurship looks like and means I seek conversation and leaders like Justin, and he is here to give you tips and advice to really go all in, in 2023 and beyond. I believe saying you want to go all in, in your business is such an incredible energy and commitment, but I also want us just to own the fact that oftentimes we still have things tethering us to old stories and old ways of being and suggestions here to help us untether some of those financial burdens, challenges, struggles, so that you really get to be an exceptional entrepreneur in this year. So Justin, I am so glad you're here. Thank you so much for giving us your time. Of course, I appreciate it. I'm honored to be here. And as I was telling you before we hopped on here, I was like, all right, I'm even more honored when I went to go book in June and I couldn't get on until January. So I was like, okay, this, this is going to be fun. This is going to be a good time. So I appreciate you reaching out, getting us booked. And as the audience today will hear, I'm very passionate about the topic of money um, because it opens up so many doors for people, especially entrepreneurs. Like we always say, we we want you to live your dream life. And most times entrepreneurs dream life is having their dream business operating as a well-oiled machine, but it is impossible to do that if you do not have your money in order. And I know we'll talk about, um, you know, some tactics and strategies and ideas here today 
Um, but for 2023, for people, like if your goal is to scale your business or to optimize your business or to grow your business to maximum capacity, whatever verbiage or articulation you want to use, and you think you're going to get there without getting your money in order, I tell people in the nicest way, like you're a special kind of silly, right? You know, it just, it's not going to probably be the results. Um, and it's a lot easier than you think, which is the beautiful mm. part, which we'll get into today. I love that. I feel inspired already. But there's one thing I think is really important for the audience to know <laughs> about you, because I think when it comes to money conversations, I believe there's a level of expertise, knowledge, leadership, personal journey that is almost required in order to support other people through this. And I know you have done an exceptional job of leading yourself. I'd love you to set the stage for who you are and how you ended up becoming the CEO of JFF. Yeah, for sure. Sure. Of course. Great question. So first thing I tell people, I didn't come from money. Um, I actually had a terrible history with money indirectly and directly, indirectly, meaning seeing how my family dealt with it and what happened to us. And then when I finally got my own money, when I turned 18, Right. So that was direct experiences, too, as well. So just a small synopsis, you know, from my background, because it all does lead into how we got to where we're at today is that my family, by the time I was 10 years old, filed for bankruptcy, I believe, for the second time now. And because of it and other reasons, but my parents filed for bankruptcy, which followed, um, you know, a divorce, which then they split up, obviously went to two different different households. We lost our cars and both. Both households that my parents were going to, Jen, they wouldn't accept pets. So I literally had to give my dog away, right? Because these homes that my parents were going to as a result of the divorce and bankruptcy wouldn't allow pets. And I'm literally sitting there as a 10-year-old, like, I just lost everything because my parents couldn't manage their money correctly. And I love them. Um, they're great people. And that, that was the point of like really sparked my interest. Is like looking back, my dad was making like 90K a year. My mom was successful too as well. They they both were great high school athletes, good looking, down to earth, successful, and they still Went through bankruptcy. They still lost everything because of it. So that led up to me turning 18 years old. And I was given a settlement for $80,000 because I got hit by a car when I was 13. This money was mine, Jen. My parents couldn't tell me what to do with it. And then I moved away six hours to Maryland to go to college. So I'm like the young, good-looking athlete on the lacrosse team with $80,000 in his bank account, with no financial literacy, management, supervision whatsoever, and seeing that in my childhood, you got money, you spent it, right? It was just this crazy cycle, right? And so first thing I did, I went and bought an Audi A4 that I had no business driving, paid cash for it at 18 years old, stupidest decision ever, right? And then about two and a half years later, this money was gone, right? And so looking back, I'm like, yeah, me and my roommates and my boys, we had a great time, right? But I definitely would change just about everything in regards to how I manage or what we call stewarded that money around that. So that led to, thankfully, God, you know, obviously stays faithful and continues to bless you. I turned 23, graduated with my master's in healthcare management and got a beautiful job at Johns Hopkins Hospital where they were paying me way too much. And I was way more of a liability than an asset to this company. But thankfully, God shook me and was like, you need to get your financial skills in order because you're only going to make more money, right? You're starting off on the totem pole here. They're only going to promote you. You're only going to make more money. Right. But what is making a million dollars if you're spending a million dollars? Right. And so that's where kind of the journey, you know, started to create from and then got a lot of training, expertise and guidance and mentorship throughout my Johns Hopkins journey. Um, had a lot of very awesome positions. But my last one, I was the physician manager for the entire community hospital inside of Johns Hopkins Network. It wasn't the main hospital. It was one of our community hospitals, but it was just shy of about a thousand doctors. And I had about two hundred million dollars and financial responsibility and reported directly to the president of the hospital. And so that was at 26 years old, 
Um, and you know, a couple of years goes by and I'm like, okay, I have so much training expertise and knowledge. And I've also put together this little, you know, system for personal finances that myself and a couple of people were using, um, and having great success with. And so, uh, 20, August, 2020. So we've been in business about two, two and a half years now we launched and, you know, now to date where I'm at right now, uh, about two and a half years in, we just wrapped up 2022 in 2022, our second year of business, we did $1.2 million. Um, which was awesome. It had about a 76 percentage profit margin, right? So we weren't making a million and spending a million, right? So we were doing really, really good things. And I truthfully believe why we were able to scale that fast, not just in revenue, but client results too as well, was because of the relationship and strategies we have around finances and utilized. Um, and I find that like, that was a big reason why we scaled that fast. Because basically point being, just not to be too blunt, we were comfortable with money and knew what to do with it when it came in, and it ultimately led to scale. That makes sense. Then it's your question no, the most long-winded no, answer I do possible. feel like <laughs> this is a really vulnerable conversation for people to own, have, and for you to host with them. So I wanted people to understand who you were, where you came from, so that their hearts and spirits starts to open up a little bit to listen, and maybe even listen with a different set of ears today so that they actually own themselves and own the journey, but realize, and like, even through your story, realize that that doesn't have to be today, tomorrow, the future of how they function financially, that they actually could have all of the things I know for myself, for example, you know, going through not the same story, but similar aches and pains growing in wealth is those things were really the biggest teachers and it's what we do with those lessons, applying them moving forward that make the world a difference. Otherwise, we're in these patterns and loops of continuing to make and spend. And it's a huge issue in the entrepreneurial space because we're throwing around big numbers right now. There's a lot of marketing based on how much money someone's making. And I know it looks fancy and it's shiny and it, I applaud it. I actually do. I think it's amazing. However, we don't know how much money they made based on the balloons behind them in a picture. It really doesn't mean much. Uh, it shows what's possible, but it doesn't mean much. And I want to create within my world and the people I am teaching and training on how to have true freedoms. And I don't know if that's always a number. Would you agree? Like, it's not that once you hit a million, then you become financially free, right? Is it what are those things that help us feel freedoms in our finances? Such a good question. Um, I think a couple of things. And I think, you know, you want people to own and listen with the different ears. And I think a quote that would be really helpful for people. I forget whose quote this is. I want to say maybe Will Smith. Um, but it's your past may have not been your fault, but it is darn well your responsibility mm -hmm. to take care of your future. Right. And so with the past, it's like most people, it really wasn't your fault. 95% of this country is financially illiterate. So even if you did want to learn this stuff growing up, like who were you supposed to learn it from? You know? And so they did set you up for failure, but like that doesn't mean you need to choose to continue down that path. Right. And talking about choice, right. You really only have two choices when it comes to your finances. It's either keep doing what you're doing. And for most people listening to this, it's okay. And I don't want to say it's okay, but it's, it's normal in most instances that it's most likely not working. It's not optimal or step up and do better. Right. And so why would you pick the one of two choices where you have complete choice over that's going to lead to guaranteed failure? Right. And that's kind of how I, I, I conceptualize it for people. And then also, too, it's like you've done harder things. <laughs> right. Finances are just they just sound confusing because the financial industry made it confusing on purpose. So you would seek them out. And then this isn't the case in most instances, but it was designed to take advantage of you in return. That coupled with how you were brought up and how it was taught around. you, Right. Like 
but you got to recognize that like avoiding your finances is not a form of self-preservation, right? People think like, I'm not going to look at it. I'm going to neglect it. I'm going to out of sight, out of mind. They, they think, or at least they're trying to convince themselves that self-preservation, like it's just going to stress me out to look, but I guarantee you it's stressing you out a ton more by neglecting it than it would be just to step up and see it, right? To step up and handle it. And again, you have done harder things. If you're a parent listening to this, you've done harder things. If you started your own company listening to this, you've done harder things. It just takes to get you the true freedoms and finances, it takes the right person to teach you in the right manner with your right intentions at heart, right? And then true freedoms with finances comes from, for one, right, you controlling your money instead of your money controlling you, right? And so how do you do that? It's really understanding it more. It's um, seeing under, a form of understanding money more is understanding that it is neutral. Money is a piece of paper or a piece of plastic where money has went wrong is when the human being behind the piece of paper or the piece of plastic has decided to misuse or abuse it, right? Just like, I'll give you an example. You know, God put alcohol on this earth. Jesus Christ drank wine. Where did alcohol go wrong? When human beings decided to misuse and abuse it, right? And so with that said, money is a beautiful, beautiful tool, but a terrible God, right? You control the tool, right? But when something is a God, you worship it. And so understanding that like it's neutral, but then also not go too far where it becomes what you worship is understanding it as a tool. And, you know, with that tool, I tell people, think about this analogy. It comes from a book called How Rich People Think by Steve Seibold, great book. And he says, just imagine money's a hammer, right? The outcomes of that hammer is dictated by who's holding it. That, that hammer could either be used to build a village or tear down a village. It is all dictated by the person behind the hammer, right? So that's where I would start. Once you can understand money like that, it starts to become freedom. And people that say they don't care about money, I'll be honest with you, like whether you mean it to be or not, you are selfish, right? Because if you say you don't care about money, money impacts and your relationship with money impacts everybody around you, right? So why choose to negatively impact everybody around you? Um, and so when it comes to money too, as well, people also say they don't care about it. Well, show me how much you think about something and I'll show you how much you care about that. Show me how much you think about something and I'll show you the importance of it. Usually when it comes to money, that's, that is the case. You think about it and care about it a lot, whether you like to admit it or not. And so I think really starting there is where the true freedom opens up, right? Because until you can, we, we teach finances in two buckets, right? The first one's like we call the abstract bucket, which is like the spiritual relationship with money, your emotions, your mindset, your outlook on money, your reality with money, right? Your judgment, right? And, and then the objective bucket is like the strategies we teach, right? Like, the budgeting, the investing, you know, the, the, this, the, that, right. The, the actual tactical version, but you know, it's really hard to teach the operations or the tactical bucket. If we don't have that internal or that abstract bucket figured out, because last thing I'll, I'll say before we can go on to deeper strategies here, but I always tell people like your external wealth will never exceed your internal wealth, right? So if your internal wealth, meaning like you are scarce and fearful and limited with money, it's exactly what your reality is going to be. Right. So I think that's kind of like, I have a bunch of strategies like how we can actually make you financially free that we dive into, but like they don't work unless you understand what I just went over. I can reiterate that, Justin, and I'd love your sort of take on this as well. Maybe you can almost give me like a coaching in within this interview that people can hear how you you perceive this and can walk someone through this. So as I was making more and more income, what you would think that the more income you make, the more confident you are with your finances, the more you feel in flow with money, you know, all the, the terms we hear, that was absolutely not my experience. So the more money I created, two things popped up. The more I was spending, 
And also the, the more I felt unsafe, which is so interesting. Like that was a really interesting observation for me because you would think the more you're acquiring, the safer you're going to feel. It actually came in the form completely opposite for me where I thought, oh my goodness, what if this is going to go away? What if I lose everything? Like there was just so much intensity around cash flow for me, which led into the overspending because I didn't trust it as soon as I got it. I gave it away. So I'm, I'm an uber generous person. So I don't, you know, to a fault, obviously. However, I didn't feel safe with it. I gave it away. So I would buy lunches for people constantly. I would gift people constantly. I was, I was like an ATM machine. I mean, that's really what, how I acted. So again, there's some beautiful parts of that because I blessed a lot of people, but I wasn't blessing myself or edifying myself. And so I tell that story because I'd love your take on this. And it's kind of speaking to that first bucket you were just talking about is if we don't heal, look at ourselves and how we behave. And I, I use the word dance quite often, like dance with money. The more you make doesn't mean the safer, more confident, more assured you're going to lead it. It has to be dealt with now, not when I make more, then I'll figure it out. Would you agree with that? A thousand percent. So a couple of different things. I was taking notes as you were talking. We might need to block out two hours next time. But <laughs> um, so the first thing is we always tell people more money isn't the solution, right? There's actually a second part to that it's because we're not against making more money so the full quote and I don't, I don't want people to get caught in the second one focus on the beginning of it the full quote is more money isn't the solution until it is right and then until it is is once you figure out how to handle your current situation right and so um, more money isn't the solution at first because all more money is going to do it's going to accentuate your poor money habits right? Your poor money relationship. If you make more, you're going to spend more. If you make more, you're going to see just as little. If you make more, you're going to have the same exact problems as you had in the past when you had even less money coming in, right? Because you didn't heal the underlying issue, right? I'll give you a, an analogy or an example here. Like when somebody is having problems at one school district, right? And they pick up and move school districts and have the same exact problems, right? It's because they didn't heal the actual true core of the problem, which was them, not the school district. Meaning it's your behavior is not the money. So we teach that like the answer is stewardship and stewardship just means managing your money and not just managing more money, but managing your current situation. Because if you can learn how to manage your current situation all while healing your relationship with money, right, which is actually honestly one of the keys to healing that relationship with money, because you just start taking care of your current situation. You see money isn't that scary. You start to get better at managing money, right? When it does come in, you know what to do with it over time, right? And you're paying attention to it, which obviously just creates better results, Right. And so I truthfully believe what you said is very true because people think more money is the solution, but it's not. It's not the core of the problem is how you manage that money when you come in and where you can start. It's like you everyone has a current situation right now. Just start making the best of your current situation. Right. And I promise you, it's going to lead to bigger doors because for one, whatever higher power you believe in, it's going to prove to them that you're willing and deserving of more. Because in most instances, you won't get blessed with more. What, what does it make? What is it? How does it make sense that you'll get blessed with $10,000 a month if you can't handle 5,000 or get blessed with 7,000 or, you know, seven figures a year if you can't handle six, six figures, right? And so that's kind of usually my take on it from like the abstract bucket. And then when it comes to like the objective bucket, right? Most people, they don't have a mission for their money, which leads to them spending erroneously or spending suboptimally or, you know, just literally spending poorly right? To put it easily. And so what I mean by that is money comes in, they don't have a mission for that money or a goal, right? Like I want to pay off this credit card debt by 
you know, six months. I want to save $10,000. I want to start investing a thousand a month. I want to buy a house by February instead of renting. Right. And so all of our clients, after we heal that relationship, when we go over to the objective bucket, we give them a mission for their money. So when it does come in, now there's some place to allocate it or send it to or put it towards. So it's not spent aimlessly. Right. And so that's how it all ties into one. Does that make sense? It makes so much sense. And I love your term. It accentuates your money problems. Like it, it does. It accentuates all of those things that have yet to be healed. And that was a, just such a big realization for me. I also firmly believe and want to reiterate that, you know, if you cannot be entrusted to show gratitude for a thousand dollars a month in your business or in your bank account, if that you can't hold gratitude for that. How in the world can you be entrusted with $10,000 a month if you can't even be grateful for a thousand? And that's not an easy thing to do because when there's more month than there is money, it's difficult to show gratitude for that 1000 when really to pay everything, we need five to come in because we're behind. I get it, but it's something, it's a start, it's the seed for more. And so I would love to kind of just shift a little bit because I feel like we've got people's attention and we they're hearing very clearly that there's some healing and looking in the mirror that's required in order to then become strategic in what they're doing. But one of the biggest things I hear, and I'm sure you hear this all the time too, but it is, I, if I, it's not the number one holdback, it would be a close second is I need to make more money first before I invest in that mentor that I want to hire or the website I'd like to design or, you know, the legalities like the, the trademarking or some of the contractual things that have to be done for a business. I'm going to make more money first, then I'll do these essential things. So I want to just pretend I'm someone saying that to you. What and how do you answer someone who's using money as an excuse to not move forward in their lives? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So for one, I have three things written down. So the first thing is most times that choice is coming from what we call subjectivity, right? Subjectivity is non-factual information. It's coming from your emotions. It's irrationalities, right? Like because you've had a poor relationship with money and a poor experience with money, you're unwilling to let go of some of it, even if it does mean that more is going to come back in the future. Right. And so they think most clients that we have come to us, they think that their situation at first is way worse than it is. Jen, they're like, oh, the, the sky's falling. I'm literally going to go bankrupt. Well, and then we put like their objectivity to their situation, which is the black and white, the numbers, like how much you're making, how much you're spending, like where could we actually pull this money from for this investment in the coaching or the legalities or a new position? Right. And they're like, well, it's actually not that bad. Right. It's like with immediate that people's stress and anxiety goes down around their finances because the majority of financial stresses and anxieties are avoidable. They're coming from subjectivity. Right. And so most likely every time somebody says, well, I can't do this until that it's wrong. They're just acting off of subjectivity. They'd sit down and just look at the black and white, like where, how much money do I have? How much do expenses do I have? It's basically, we call it your budget and your balance sheet, your two financial scans, right? Where we can look at those and actually find the opportunity through objectivity, right? So people operate off of subjectivity instead of objectivity. And the majority of stresses and anxieties and missed opportunities that we go through with money are due to subjectivity, mm-hmm. right? The second thing is choices, right? So basically the majority of finances, your life is just a culmination of the choices that you've made, particularly your finances, right? When you look at your finances, it's just like, that's a scorecard for the choices that you made over the years, right? And a lot of times choices are what we've done, but what we haven't done, 
Mm. Right. The other one is what people don't realize. And so you're making a choice to not do something. Right. So when people say, I'm not going to invest in this coach, like to give you an example, let's just for easy numbers to say my program's ten thousand dollars. Right. It's not. I'm just making up an easy number here. When people say, you know what, I'm I gotta make a little bit more money born for investing this. I'm like, well, let's just say that takes you six months. What are you costing yourself by not doing it? The price tag on not doing something, the choices of not doing something are so much more costly a lot of times, right, than actually doing something. But to give you a good example, we just hired a role for $2,000 a month, and it's helping us make about an extra $21,000 a month, right? I've got like $22,000 in payroll. I've got like 11 employees, but I under because I understand money, I'm willing to hand that money over temporarily because I know it's going to come back, you know, down the road, right, tenfold. And so... That's the second thing I would say here is that you're just choosing that. Like you're just choosing that. And most times the choice of not doing something is much more costly than making a poor investment mistake. Right. And then the last thing is OPM, other people's money. Uh, you know, I say this openly on this, this call. I'm a millionaire because of the assets that we have. And I, that's coming off the proof of point, not braggadocious. But every time I go and look to an investment, I try my absolute best to not use my own money. I'm like, where can I get 0% interest or a low interest type of loan or credit line or this or that? Because use other people's money, whether you have money or not. Like if you have a better relationship with money, this is why a lot of people don't use OPM or other people's money because they think all debt is bad, which is one of the stupidest things out there in the financial world. There's a huge difference between good debt and bad debt. Good debt is using other people's money at no interest or a low interest to increase your opportunities and your wealth, right? And so give you an example. Let's just say I wanted to, go invest in this program that's going to help me make 100K more a month, but they want 25K, right? If I don't have that 25K, I can't make 100K more a month. Just because you don't have that 25K sitting in your bank doesn't mean that you shouldn't invest in this program. Go figure out a way to finance, right? And so how do I go leverage somebody else's money to access information, knowledge, and ultimately increase my income? But people don't leverage OPM because they're not comfortable with money. Right? There's something wrong with the relationship with money and they view it wrong too as well. They think all debt is bad, which is stupid. One of my favorite quotes in the world is Robert Kiyosaki, Rich Dad, Poor Dad says, I'm a billionaire in debt, dot, 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 but the right debt. Mm-hmm. Right? And so that would be my three things, subjectivity, choices, and OPM. Oh, amen, Justin. Okay. So here's, I always think of the listener when we're having these conversations And I can hear the whispers in their mind, the chitter chatter going, okay, well, that's nice for them. We're so much in debt. I can't, you know, possibly uh, have someone give me a a loan or a low interest loan. I don't have any wiggle room because I've maxed my credit cards. I've maxed my line of credits, but I need to create more income in order to start paying these things down. What do you say to them where it's maybe not an excuse, but it's actually real for them? I'm sure. So again, this is going to be a case-to-case basis when you dive deep into the details with each person. But, you know, for one, it's just a good teaching moment where it's like, this is exactly why you need to have your finances in, in control, right? And under in order, right? And so when I always say this particular quote, I say not having your finances in order causes you a whole bunch of unnecessary stress and anxiety and a massive amount of missed opportunities in this world. People hang on to the stress and anxieties a lot because it's pretty straightforward, but they don't really get what I mean by the missed opportunities in this world, right? And so not having your finance in order has got your credit a little bit jacked up and you get this opportunity to invest in this program where you can easily get financed through their financing partner, but you can't because your credit's jacked up. There's a missed opportunity for you, right? There's proof of concept that you need to get your finances in order, right? And so I will start with that motivation and just kind of being matter of fact and painting the picture for them, right? And then it's, 
the choice of, okay, are we going to step up and take care of your finances? Yeah, you may not be able to get approved right now. And that's going to forever be your reality unless you make a change right now and start making different choices, right? So that's where we go back to the foundational things. Now let's put a plan together. The majority of our clients that come to us, they're making six figures a year. They're entrepreneurs, but they all have debt, right? And most times we have to work on getting them out of that debt first, right? Because most times they're either making it worse or just avoiding it. And we've got strategies where like we can get you out of your debt in the fastest, cheapest, most stress-free way as possible. And that's where you want to start most times. And so just because you can't invest in it right now because your credit's all jacked up because you have this other debt doesn't mean you can't do it in six months, right? But what you do right now, the choices that you make right now will dictate what happens at the end of those six months because the time's going to pass either way. It's just your decision on how you want to utilize it, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what I tell people where it's just like, I make it a teaching point. This is exactly why you need to have your finances in order, right? And then this is exactly what I mean by you're missing out on an opportunity, right? And this is exactly what I mean by your, your situation as a culmination of the choices you make. And also this next six months is going to pass. You maybe can't do this right now, but you could do it in six months if you change your choices. Beautiful. My cheeks are hurting because I'm smiling so much at the things <laughs> you're saying. It's so important. This, this podcast, this interview has, well, it, it has the true potential to completely and drastically change somebody's life hmm, for you. the better. So thank you. I'm really, truly grateful um, because this is just having these bold, real conversations that people I believe are craving, but are seeking, looking for someone to talk to about it. And what are they doing? They're talking to family members. They're talking to other mm -hmm. entrepreneurs who are in the exact same position they're in. And they're talking to friends. And what are the, what happens? Two things. Either one, the person doesn't want to ruffle their feathers. So it goes, it's okay. You're doing great. And lets them live in that. Or the other person says, me too. I'm the same. And it ends up becoming this like table of negativity where we're just wallowing in what is. I am so grateful to host conversations where we're pulling people out of both of those scenarios and saying, let's just be real and honest and make a change. So the other portion to this question that's coming up is, something I experience as a mentor, and I'm sure you experience as a mentor, is then people invest. So they found this money, whether it's borrowed, whether they've saved, it doesn't matter where it's come from, and they invest. And because they still have money wounds, when they make this investment, they put so much pressure on the return of that investment that I believe they often stifle a lot of growth. They often hold themselves back from what they can experience because there's guilt and attachment to that investment in not a healthy way. And it actually really does hinder the entire experience. So when somebody makes an investment and feels like, oh my goodness, oh my goodness, I did this and I'm nervous and maybe I shouldn't have. And they're all in this like scarcity, fear, negative place. How do you move them to this place of safety so they can calm the waters, open up their minds and hearts and really bring to fruition the most beautiful experience from that investment? Um, such a great point. So one, one way that we kind of go about this, you know, is we are like the most judgment free company ever, but like we're going to call you up to make sure that you are hitting the standard that we're holding you to, right? And so I think the first thing is like making them understand like your walk with money is gonna be a lifelong one. And a part of that walk with money is you're always gonna have those wounds. You're always gonna have those scars. You're always gonna have those negative feelings, but you just choose to work through them day in and day out, right? Like 
I still, you know, having, you know, the, you know, the millionaire status or whatever you want to call it and being, you know, one of the bigger financial coaches out there, right? Like I still have wounds and mistakes around money that haunt me, but I have to work through them. And so I think one of the differences and the separators between successful people or unsuccessful people, let's just say rich people and poor people, right? Is not the absence of wounds and flaws and mistakes and negative feelings around money. It's what we do with those, right? Does one mistake lead to two weeks, two months of falling off, or does it become a stepping stone for the next level that you're ultimately going to enter into? So my point is, is I love to say things stop becoming problems when they start to become expectations, right? And it's expected that even after you make a big investment, that you're going to have those wounds pop up, right? But it is up to you to work through them because you may not be in love with the process, but you have to be in love with the outcome. Right. And so that's kind of the first thing we coach people through around that. It's like, it's normal. It's going to happen. Right. But it's not an excuse to let it happen. Let's work through it. Um, And so that's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, if you invest in the right coaching programs, right? We always say our program, like we're not perfect, but if you step up and play your part, you're going to get best results and get a bazillion times your money back. Mm -hmm. Right. And so if you invest in the right coaching program, just remember that like your return on investment is all based on your involvement. Right. It's your, you know, the, the effort that you put in for the most part. Right. And so it's just a choice to get best results. Mm. Right. It's a choice to invest your time after you've invested your money. It's a choice to invest your energy. And the in, in energy investment becomes a lot less when you have expectations, not problems. Mm. Right. It's expected that in three weeks you're going to fall off. It's expected in three weeks you're going to have another negative feeling. And what's the plan to work through it? Right. Um, and so. Kind of taking that angle with things too as well. Um, And then the last thing is objectivity. I love objectivity. What I mean by objectivity is just factual black and white data. Like how do you plan to get your money back? If you invest $10,000 into this, how do you plan to get your money back? Okay, I've got a $5,000 product. I'm going to sell three um, of my products over the next six months off of what I've learned in there. Boom, I got my money back plus some. Very simple depiction, right? So then as you see that, okay, I'm only three months into the six-month program and I already got my money back those feelings all go away because you objectively replace subjectivity. Make sense? Makes total sense to me. And this is one of the things I'd love your opinion on. So it's kind of actually taking you out of the money mindset and more into growth mindset, which I know you and I share, because I just really love who you are as a leader and how you express yourself and the way I just, I really value you as a, as a human. And one of the things too, that I think is important just to note is ROI isn't always the commas in the bank account. Sometimes that investment, the ROI is who you became a breakthrough in realizing that your leadership is required in this world, or it's building a foundational something in your business in order to have that catalyst moment where you move forward. I think sometimes we spend so much time thinking ROI is I spent this, so I've got to make this back in order to feel like this was a great investment. How can we actually think of it in terms of that when it's who you became, you're a totally different version of yourself on that other side. So I think that's really important too, for people just to relax a little bit that it's not always that it is a great point that you made and a really important piece to take accountability. Like I've spent this. So what do I need to do to make sure that I I have a return on investment in terms of financial gains, but also who do you become on the other side? So I want to go backwards for a second because you're just bringing so many points. You talked about debt and you talked about how, you know, we have had this really poor relationship with debt and I've heard, and I, I don't know this, you know, this, you're the person to ask there's good debt. 
And then there's like, quote unquote, bad debt. I don't really love that term, maybe of a better way of term, having a terminology around that versus bad. What is good debt? And what is debt that someone needs to pay attention to and, and to try to eliminate? I'm sure. So very simple. Bad debt is something that you buy something with money that you don't have with no plan to pay it back. And it's usually high interest bearing. Very easy example right? I'm already behind on my bills and I go to the Louis Vuitton store right now and buy a purse on a credit card with a 25% interest rate where I have no plan on how to pay it back. That's bad debt, right? Very easy example. There's many more forms of it. Good debt is something that you are leveraging other people's money, right? To increase your value, income, or opportunities, right? You know, you could capitalize or, you know, encapsulate all three of those as wealth, Rights, if you wanted to. And so, give you an example. I'm going to go take out a personal loan for 84 months at 15% interest, right? For $15,000 to invest in a coaching program that's going to help me make $10,000 more a month for the rest of my life. That's good debt right there. Mm-hmm. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, yeah. And usually, you know, kind of get a little bit more in the nitty gritty of things like installment loans compared to consumer debt. Installment loans are like personal loans, car loans home loans. I am not one of those dudes who's going to tell you to buy your home or your car in cash. I think that's very stupid advice, to be honest with you. When you go buy your car in cash, my car right now is on a 1.99% interest rate. What in the world would I save myself by using cash to pay for that? 1.99% over the seven-year duration of the loan? I'd rather put my money in the stock market and blow that 1.99% out of the water, let alone build my credit history by having a positive payment history with a quality piece of good debt or installment loan. To give you just a little bit of example right there. Um, does that make sense to answer your question? Yeah. And it's, you got me all jazzed up because this was a huge learning curve for me with my financial advisor. This is like a silly thing, but it just reiterates your, your story and, and your advice. We had to buy a tractor for our house and it was about $16,000 for the one we wanted. And I was meeting with him and I said, I've got this expense coming up. I've got to buy this tractor for the house. And he's like, why are you buying the tractor? And I said, well, what do you mean? I don't have any debts anymore. Like I'm not incurring debts. Like I am officially debt free. This feels great. And I was almost nervous to acquire. And he's like, no, 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 no. You're going to put that on a loan and you're going to pay monthly payments. And what that 16,000, you were just ready to pay cash for that tractor. You're going to give to me and we're going to invest that and you're going to make some money. And it was like this light bulb moment for me because I looked at well, when I got out of debt, finally, that was just such a big mountain. Um, and this was credit card debt and line of credits. Like This was debt that needed sure. to be paid off. Um, I had such a fear of it. And going back there again, that I was, I was doing these transactions where I was giving these lumps of sum of cash to pay for these things when I really didn't need to. And I could have used that money to work for me. So that was just a, an experience that I had was a light bulb moment. And from there on in, I thought that's not how I'm going to operate. And it's been highly beneficial. Yeah. So I have a big question for you. I'm yeah. really excited for your answer. What is wealth? Like Justin, what is a wealthy person? When can someone look in the mirror and identify as a wealthy person? What what is that? So wealth isn't just related to money, right? Wealth can be any aspect of life, right? I'll go into like maybe the money side of it, which I call financial freedom. But wealth to me is just to be able to wake up every day, do what I want, when I want, how I want to do it with the people I want to do it. And not from a materialistic standpoint, from a fulfillment standpoint, right? And help a whole bunch of other people along the way do the same. So everybody's definition of wealth is different. When it comes to 
finances, right? Let's talk financial freedom. You know, our company, JFF, Journey to Financial Freedom. Our definition of financial freedom is when work becomes a choice, not a necessity, right? Where mainly you're what we call your NLLs, which your necessities, your lifestyles, and your luxuries, but we'll just call them expenses for layman terms here, where your expenses each month are automatically covered from an asset or assets that you own. So to give you an example, just for easy numbers here, let's just say my wife and I business and personal, our NLLs or our expenses are 40K a month. The business makes 100K a month. We pay the 40K a month automatically, right? Without us even having to show up, right? And we even have money left over at the end of the month. That's financial freedom, right? Where you have an asset and or assets that spin you enough money automatically to cover your necessities, your lifestyle, and your luxuries, right? Without you even having to show up. Like I, I work with inside of our program. I coach a couple of different sessions a week, but because I choose to, right? right? And it's a choice. And so that's kind of my definition of financial freedom. And it kind of comes down to like the three currencies, right? Like I have three currencies in this world, time, money, and energy, mm-hmm. right? Time and energy are limited. Money is infinite, right? And so sometimes you have to sacrifice one or two to, um, you know, bring in another one of them. To give you an example, on the way to building JFF, I had to sacrifice a bunch of time and energy to amass a ton of wealth to be able to buy my time and my energy back. Right. Right. And so that would be, you know, on the wealth standpoint, wealth goes beyond money. I think it's really everyone has their own definition of wealth. Um, but most times to be wealthy, you need a decent amount of money to fuel that. But then to break it down into money, I categorize it as financial freedom. And that's kind of my definition of it. Mm. Fulfillment's like one of my favorite words and what I believe ultimately we're all doing here. And mm-hmm. we get sometimes confused in our own minds and spirit that, you know, it's we're chasing and this unnecessary urgency and this undue, like the stress that just, I don't believe is, is a part of what we need to have as an experience, but we're chasing versus how can I make this day the most beautiful, fulfilling, joy-filled, memory-making day as humanly possible? And that attached to what you just described as wealth, to me, is what I believe every single person is desiring to acquire without. I don't think there's an exception to that. I love that. I love that. Money is not the end goal. It's the opportunities it provides for you and your family. Like I could care less about the money itself to care less about the budget itself for the 0% APR credit cards, the strategies that we use, right? It's about the opportunities that it provides for you and your family. And the cool part is like, yeah, the money is great. Like, you know, you amass a certain amount of money, but it's the decreased stress and anxieties and the increased opportunities that are the beautiful part, right? People live an absolutely limited life because they don't have their finances in order, because they don't optimize them, because they don't take control of them and leverage them to create the life that they want. It's not about the money. It's about the opportunities. And when people can wrap their head around that, they start to heal their relationship with money because they realize the importance of it. And there's nothing to do with fancy things, but everything to do with right here mm-hmm. internally for mm-hmm. the people that can't see visual me pointing to my chest. <laughs> <laughs> and I feel like that just wrapped this whole conversation up in this like beautiful bow because you've just done an extraordinary job, Justin, of giving us tools, strategies, mindset, perspective on how to move differently moving forward. So where can people go? Because I I do advocate for Justin friends. He's incredible. I, I learn through him. I, I watch him. I absorb his information. Where can we send people? We'll have it all in the show notes, but I'd love you just to tell people where you'd like them to go to get more information 
Yeah, absolutely. My Instagram is probably the easiest spot because I actually still run my DMs. Um, and so you, when you DM me, you will get me. It's not an assistant or somebody else answering. And I welcome all messages. And so my Instagram is Justin underscore Buonimo. That's an absolute disaster of spelling. So please go look in the show notes. Um, you'll find me on there and just there are a couple of fake accounts. So make sure it looks legit. Um, and there's actually like real stories maybe up or something along those lines. But just find me there. Shoot me a DM if anything that you heard here today sounds enticing and or you would like help with it. And I tell people all the time, my, it's arms wide open approach, right? I understand your past was not your fault, but I also am going to call you up to take responsibility of your future, right? And so that's something that's enticing along for anything else that you heard here today. Please feel free to reach out. Beautiful. Beautiful. Well, Justin, thank you so much. This was everything I hoped for and more. I appreciate you. We'll be in touch, friend. And friends, I really appreciate you sharing, letting people know about Justin. That's really important. Your generosity and the healing can start here by you doing things that cost you nothing, but make the world of difference for others, for Justin, for myself, and for yourself, because that's leadership. So thank you so much again. And we'll, I guess, talk to you, not see you next week. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here. Your time and presence means the world to me. If you would be so kind to leave a five-star review so more people can learn about becoming iconic, that would be such an act of generosity. And please go download and read the newest version of the Becoming Iconic magazine available at becomingiconic.co.co. Now let's go make it a great day.